Here we go. We're going to get kooky. <laughs> Hip, hop, hook, hap, happy, hippie, witchy, dop, bitchy, witch, witchy, witch, we do it every day. Hey, hey. magic with a K. Treating naysayers to some sass. Teaching witch haters they can kiss our ass. We know as above, so below, so we go. To know, to dare, to will, to be. Shh. Magic's not a destination. It's our natural orientation. Magic's who we are. Made of space. You're a star. Magic's what we do, me and you. Whoop-a-doo. Hippie Witch, season two. Man, that, that was a good one. Thanks for joining me for episode 456 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the groovy creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode back on Blog Talk Radio where you will find many links to the wonderful inspiring Lauren Gay, the outdoorsy diva is on the show today. We are going to be talking about the joys of solo travel for women especially We are going to explore the question, why don't we see more black people out in nature, both in real time and in marketing, promoting an adventurous lifestyle, which is what the Outdoorsy Diva is all about. And she happens to be a Harry Potter super fan, which I know so many of you are, and I know that us Potterheads are feeling a little bit homeless right now. Like, what does it mean that the woman who created Harry Potter is putting out these transphobic messages when this is a community that is largely based on inclusion and equality and all of these things that we thought the Harry Potter series stood for? What now? And, you know, Lauren is just one Potterhead with an opinion on what now, but I was excited to ask her about it, and I thought her answer was pretty cool. So stay tuned for that. I also have this idea, it's just kind of giving me a chuckle right now, making me laugh about this year that we are all experiencing here together and probably will never forget. <laughs> So, you know that old joke, want to make God laugh, tell her your plans? I have been making myself laugh. I've been taking the edge off of the entrepreneurial panic of my plans falling to crap (laughs) as the world seems to have other ideas about what is most important right now. And I happen to agree. I happen to agree. I am for sure running a business here, and I have my own personal agenda, but I, you know, I was going to be doing these seasons here on the podcast, going six weeks on, six weeks off. This has not happened because first, my son and I got 
so sick with what I did not label as COVID-19 at the time, but looking back on it and the five-week recovery period we had after that where our lungs hurt, I've never had anything like that happen to me before. I'm thinking, oh my God, I think we went through that earlier this year. And then COVID-19 hit the news and we all went on quarantine. And now the Black Lives Matter movement has taken over my brain and my heart. I'm really, really into it. I'm excited about it. I think this is the kind of change that people have been working really hard for for decades, very specific to what's happening right now, and then for centuries just in general. And so there's a lot of memes and jokes about how 2020 is just a shit show. It's a disaster. And I actually don't see it that way, but I see it as an exciting time. There are aspects of it that are scary, but I'm excited to see the progress that's being made with the Black Lives Matter movement. And I think that's pretty amazing that we get to be here and be a part of that. However, my entrepreneurial brain is like, oh my God. So the joke that I've been telling myself to kind of take the edge off and to comfort myself in the midst of all of this chaos that nobody could have planned for is, do you want to make God laugh so hard she pees her pants? Tell her your plans for 2020. And you know, I'm a big planner nerd, so I am pretty sure that God is rolling on the floor laughing her ass off at me right now because I keep trying <laughs> to shoehorn my agenda into the bigger picture and it just, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. So that is why I'm here so many weeks after the last episode. There's a Herman Hesse quote that I cross paths with somewhere online. I, I blame Twitter for most things because that is my favorite social media platform and I like to hang out there. And I did share this there, but it, it's a quote that got me thinking that I love also just because it's about nature and trees. I thought it would be a good one to share today because that's what Lauren Gay is all about getting out into nature. So this quote to me also has a double meaning in my opinion, but you can tell me what you think. When we have learned how to listen to trees, then the brevity and the quickness and the childlike hastiness of our thoughts achieve an incomparable joy. For me, this is about deep listening. And of course, it's First, the first layer is it's about listening to nature. And when you listen to nature as it's laid out in this, it's about forgetting your own cycle of programmed thoughts and repetitive worries for a moment to, to hear the voice of nature. But I also think perhaps it has a deeper meaning about shutting off the noise in your head to really listen to another person. So... If he's saying that once we learn how to listen to trees, then the brevity and the quickness and the childlike hastiness of our thoughts achieve an incomparable joy, I wonder what happens when we learn to listen to each other. 
And that's been my main occupation for the last few weeks, listening, listening. You might have seen me say or heard me say, I think I said it in a video for Joey Morris's channel. I said it in my newsletter. I said it in a Patreon video. My mantra for this last full moon was I am willing to change. I am willing to learn. I am willing to see. So I've been taking things in, paying attention, and letting it change me. And then speaking of joy, incomparable joy, I have some happy news that I wanted to share here before the interview with Lauren. So during this talk with Lauren, one of the things that we talk about is the power of the black dollar and the power of supporting black creators One way that you can do that right now, if you're listening to this in a timely fashion, is to buy two books this week before Saturday the 20th, and I believe Saturday counts, so by, what, midnight on Saturday the 20th, buy two books by Black authors. This is another Twitter thing, Ibram X. Kendi of How to Be Anti-Racist Fame posted on Twitter He said, black literature saved me, raised me, fed me, made me. Black literature taught me how to think, how to write, how to challenge, how to be me. This week, I'm supporting a campaign to buy two books by black writers. And then he used the hashtags. He said, join us, hashtag black publishing power, hashtag blackout bestsellers. And that is the whole point. What this challenge is designed to do is demonstrate buying power and clout in the publishing industry. So we are all, each of us, all of us book nerds, asked to buy two books by authors who are black to kind of show them what we can do and show them what they're missing out on with these numbers. And I thought, yes, that is something I can get behind. So I personally bought, I mean, it took about two seconds for me to jump onto this wave because I'm such a book nerd and I already had in my mind a couple of books that I had my eye on. So I basically just like ran over to buy these books screaming, take my money (laughs) because I already knew I wanted to read them. One is Akata Witch by, and I'm for sure going to say this author's name wrong, Nettie Okorafor. Nettie Okorafor. I bought that one in paperback. And Conjure Women by Afia Atakora, I bought in hardcover. So I am all set to have a very magical book nerd journey this summer. For those of you in our Patreon book club, we have already chosen our summer pick. We all kind of chose it as a group this spring. It is a monster of a book. (laughs) It's huge. I could tell from the pictures it was huge. But when it arrived on my doorstep a couple days ago, I was shocked at how heavy the package was. It is an epic fantasy involving dragons by Samantha Shannon called The Priory of Prior Priory The Priory of Or <laughs> Shall I continue? <sighs> the Priory Priory of the Orange Tree. How do you say priori? Have I never said this word out loud before? I don't know. We are currently also, in addition to just cracking open this book, we are voting between three books by authors of color for the pick after that, the book club pick after that. So 
if you want to vote, if you want to have a say, go through your emails or pop over to Discord to find the link so you can vote on what our next book club pick will be. And then two two more little pieces of good news before we get to the interview. And this stuff happened today. Keep in mind, I'm recording this late at night. So I guess when you're listening to this, when I say today, I mean yesterday. (laughs) But just speaking in real time, today, CBS This Morning announced that Netflix co-founder and CEO Reed Hastings and his wife, Patty Quillian, are giving $120 million to be split among Morehouse College, Spelman College, and the United Negro College Fund. This is the largest single individual gift ever given to support scholarships at historically black colleges and universities, which is what HBCU stands for, historically black colleges and universities, which Spelman and Morehouse are. And I saw someone questioning their motives for going public with this news, and I had to immediately come back with with my with my point of view to counter this other point of view that was you know why are they doing this why are they doing this publicly like yeah that's nice but why make a thing of it and my answer was doing this publicly sets a tone it's it sends a message to other wealthy people and corporations and one percenters and hopefully it encourages others to follow suit. Of course, of course, of course, of course, there is an unhealthy, unfair wealth gap in our country that is outrageously unfair. It's obscene. But until we get that all worked out, which might take some time, these people are showing up and doing what they can right now to offer community support. And I think it's awesome. And if you're the kind of person that's immediately going to take a piece of news like that and turn it on its head and ask, are they doing enough? Could they do more? I think if you're eager to ask questions like that of others who are actively engaged and trying to make a difference, that that's cool, but it's best first to probably pause and ask the same of yourself. Are you doing enough? Could you... doing more besides just making snide comments on social media i feel like i'm getting a little bit sassy here but i just i get excited when i see somebody attempt to do something really great and i think that this is great news it's certainly great news from the students who are going to benefit from those scholarships so yay for them And then the final piece of news I wanted to share that very, very, very much ties into today's episode is today the Senate passed the Great American Outdoors Act in a bipartisan vote at no additional cost to taxpayers. I'm reading this. At no additional cost to taxpayers, it provides permanent funding to protect wildlife and improve parks while creating jobs and driving investment in local communities. Cool, cool beans, cool beans. We want to see the Great American Outdoors Act live up to its promise. So hopefully it will, knock on wood. And without any further ado, here is the lovely Lauren Gay, the outdoorsy diva. 
Hi, Lauren. Welcome to Hippie Witch. Hi, Joanna. Happy to be here. I'm new to your work. I'm super excited about your work. I found it on Twitter, which is my favorite social media hang because of the black in nature hashtag, which was so exciting to me. I was retweeting all the black in nature posts and liking and liking, and it was so fun. I really enjoyed people sharing that in with all of the protests that are happening. It was just nice to be like, this is what we're fighting for. We're fighting for beauty. We're fighting for love. We're fighting for freedom. And I just thought that hashtag perfectly embodied that. And you really stood out to me as somebody who is rocking it out with the outdoorsy diva. (laughs) So I'm so happy you came on the show today. Thank you so much. It's so crazy that Twitter is how you and a whole lot of other people found me because I I really don't use it that much. That was like a rare occasion that I was super active because I loved what the uh, Black Birders Week was doing. And I was like, oh yeah, I have to join this. I have to support them. And so like, yeah, Black in Nature was like, me. So I was like, oh, I have to rock this one out, you know, let people know who I am. But I did not expect what has come from it. It's been pretty amazing. Yeah. Black Birders Week, I think is probably, I guess, what led me there. I have a friend who was retweeting those tweets and that's what got my attention. But then I started noticing all kinds of really interesting threads. There's one that I thought was just, it was so specific. It was a compiled, like, name yourself kind of thing of black neuroscientists. <laughs> like, wow. we're, we're getting really specific with this. This is so fun. And I was really enjoying all of those threads. Wow. That's really cool. I didn't see that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's something that I'm looking to bring more to the podcast, like more just celebration and shining a spotlight on different kinds of people and new perspectives and your kind of maybe having like a little like hippie at heart moment in your life where (laughs) the outdoorsy diva, I wouldn't say it's hippie-ish, but it's definitely like nature loving. And that really spoke to my hippie heart. So I would love to ask you all about starting, if I may, the origin story (laughs) of outdoorsy diva, which I heard on BBC Earth when I went snooping around and I'm like, oh, this is too good to just be a segment within a podcast. We need to like blow this up and flesh it out more because it's such a great story. Sure, sure. Well, the the original, original origins was actually just at the end of college. My best friend and I um, taking a little road trip. She was living uh, in Nowheresville, Northern Alabama. I think it was like Tuscumbia or somewhere. It's actually where the Helen Keller house is. Um, (laughs) So we were looking for stuff to do. And one of her coworkers told us about waterfalls in the area. And we were like, really? In Alabama? And she's from Florida. I'm from Dallas and then from Tampa. So I grew up really half and half in both. So waterfalls was unfamiliar to me. I thought that was only like you know, way north and like places with mountains and stuff like that. So Alabama. So we checked it out. This was in the good old days of MapQuest. And uh, we printed off our directions and off we went and we found waterfalls. And we were both just like smitten with like, whoa, this is cool. This is nature. 
<laughs> we want more of this. And so we kind of just made it a point from then on, wherever we went, we'd look for like the nearest waterfall or a park to check out. You know, we didn't know anything about hiking. We didn't grow up doing that. We just kind of figured it out as we went. And so that was the beginning of my love of nature. And then as I, I'm a mom, uh, my son's 20 now, but six years ago, he was a little wee tyke and uh, he left me for the first time to go to camp. And I realized that I didn't really know who I was outside of being Jalen's mom, right? I'd been a mom since I was 18. So my entire adult life was built around being a mom and a provider for him. And so I kind of realized that I needed to prepare myself for an emptiness life. And it was just like, what do you like? What are you passionate about? What makes you happy? And it was like, oh, well, I really like when I go see waterfalls. I like taking hikes, but I would like to try kayaking. I would like to try snorkeling. It was all these different things I wanted to try and I'd never done them. And I didn't have anyone to do them with. My friends didn't do that stuff. Um, I, and at that time I did not have a very diverse group of friends. So the people I knew didn't do that kind of stuff. And, um, it wasn't until I actually started dating someone who happened to be a white guy and he took me kayaking for the first time. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. What else is happens in this outdoor recreation life that I'm missing out on? So that was kind of the beginning. And I started to share about it on Facebook and my friends would see the pictures and be like, oh, that looks fun. That looks cool. Where is this? You know, you should you should start a blog. And I was like, a blog? What's that? So um, <laughs> I, I learned more about it, met other people who had blogs and just started telling telling my story online. My first story is called The 10 Mile Mile, which was about my first kayaking experience and um, how I thought I might not make it back. <laughs> I'm going to have to check that out. <laughs> It sounds, like, it sounds like maybe it was a bit of a comedy. A little bit, a little bit. It was the longest mile of my life, but it felt like 10 for sure. <laughs> Didn't you travel alone? And you do travel alone, but like, wasn't that like a big part of... Yeah, it did. So full circle. So I started just with the local stuff. And then I started to, just as my income got better, I was able to go and see and do more. And my relationship was coming to a tumultuous end. I was like, yeah, I got to get out of here. I need to regroup, reset. And basically I told them, Hey, I found this trip on Groupon getaway and I'm out of here. So you've got the boys for the week and I'll be back. So I left and went to the Azores islands by myself. And that was my first solo international trip. I had been out of the country, but not by myself. Okay, wait, hold on. Excuse my ignorance, but where's Azores (laughs) Island? Yes. Yep. The Azores Islands or Azores, people say it both ways. So it's an archipelago of nine islands. It's literally smack in the middle of the Atlantic. So it's like 900 miles west of Portugal. And I want to say a little over a thousand miles east of Boston. And you did this alone. Alone. Oh my God. Oh my God. I have to, I know I'm interrupting your story, but <laughs> no, you're I, can't, I can't help it. I'm like, that is so, it's something I've fantasized about, but also as a woman, it really, really scares me. Were you scared? What was your experience like that first time? 
So I had been following like other women who had done it too. Right. And so I was thinking, I can do this. You can do this. And it was, I, I don't even know what made me like, go ahead and click buy. I really don't. I think it was just, that just shows you kind of the desperation of the moment. You know what I mean? Like I just had to escape. I was like, I have to do this big thing and this is what I'm going to do. I looked at the pictures. I was like, oh my God, this looks like Jurassic Park. This is amazing. So I will say doing something where it's all like part of a set prepaid thing made that part easy. So I knew I was going to stay, you know, I knew some of my excursions. So at least I didn't have to worry about that, but transportation and the language. So they are technically their own government, but they are part of Portugal. So they speak Portuguese, but it's like a Portuguese blend with French tones to it so it's not like portugal portuguese and it's not like brazilian portuguese it's like its own thing okay and (laughs) i literally only researched for that week leading up to it and i don't know i just felt like it was something i had to do i was terrified i was i was terrified but i also was excited because i had seen all the things to do how pretty it was and it was just kind of a mind over matter thing and what I learned was if you can survive this like if you can do this you can go to another country where you don't speak the language and you can like conquer it then whatever I come back to I can deal with that'll be nothing Mm. you know I I choose to believe that that was not just a moment of desperation but like spiritual guidance because you have an amazing brand that for sure is partly built on that experience. And I see a little empire happening here. I'm looking (laughs) at everything you're doing. I'm just like, how is this not a guided thing? Like just that you would gravitate that way. And that that was the answer that showed up for you in that moment. Like sometimes we're clicking by it now before we know what's happening because something deeper is coming through. I 100% agree that that was, that was totally, totally a lead moment. It was, it was divine for me for sure. I mean, because all of the number one, the experiences are, I I will never forget. And I, I would love to go back. I actually want to take a group of women back, like as an empowerment type of trip, but just what I learned, what I got from it, and you're right, it definitely kind of jump-started another portion of my brand into being more solidified as a solo female traveler. Because once I did that, I wanted to see more and I wanted to do more. Um, and I, that, that's the first time I discovered like, wow, I, I mean, I knew I was somewhat introverted, but I didn't know that I liked traveling by myself this much. Like it's to the point now where I get bust at by my friends for like, well, you didn't tell me you were going to go do that. And I was like, oh, sorry. I like you were invited. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. It's just me, myself, and I. We get along real good. (laughs) Your travel diaries are awesome. Do you know of Abiola Abrams by any chance? I don't. Oh, she's a friend of mine and she hosts retreats and she'll take groups of women to different places. I think they were supposed to go to Italy this year, but it got canceled because of COVID. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to go somewhere. I know they went to France last year, but maybe there could be a little partnership there. I'll definitely introduce you to her if you're interested. Maybe For sure. Please do. I feel like you definitely have something there talking about doing retreats because for myself, just speaking purely for myself, I don't know how other women feel but I still I've had a couple of women on the show before talking about 
traveling alone. One actually rode her bike across America by herself, which I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you survived. But she (laughs) had an amazing experience. It was very joyful about it. And I still though have a lot of fear about being a woman alone. There's just some, and I feel like if there was a retreat where I could go with a group of women, I would feel a lot better about it. I, I actually hosted my first group adventure trip um, the end of February, right before COVID came in wrecked shop. Um, mm-hmm. I took um, a small group. It was my beta trip. So this was the first one and we went to Asheville and we called it Mountains and Mimosas. So that's perfect outdoorsy diva, right? So we had our bougie moments of mimosas every day and brunch, but the adventure side. So I took them hiking and we went chasing waterfalls and we went snow tubing and it was like a first for a lot of the women and they all kind of said the same thing like wow I don't think I would have ever been this comfortable like staying up in a cabin in the mountains going out in the woods and on these trails you know so I'm so glad you introduced me to this to kind of just kind of remove the fear and I asked some of them after like do you think you could do this now, you know, by yourself. And a couple of them were like, actually, yeah, like with enough planning and stuff, I I see that it's really not, it's not that big of a deal. And I did write a guide with some tips about traveling solo, which apply to, I think the outdoor stuff I do as well as travel. Um, cause it's a lot of stuff you just have to think through. I'm really good at foreseeing risk in kind of my day job. I do a lot of that. So it was an easy skill to transfer. Um, as far as ways you can stay safe. Um, just simple. So I just one small example would be like, have you ever been somewhere and you see people walking around with like their phone right in their face or a map open in their hand? Like you just scream, I'm a target, you know? Oh yeah. So things like just duck into like, you know, a little, a, a restaurant or under an awning or sit down out on a bench or just do something where it's not so conspicuous that you may be lost or that you may not be comfortable with where you're going. You know, there's the obvious ones about not telling people where you're staying and that kind of thing, but just little, there's little things you can do. There's so many products you can buy like door jams and, you know, all kinds of things to make it a lot safer for you. Um, I honestly feel like it's, it's kind of a, I don't know, it's a rite of passage. Like I want every woman to do this at least once in her life, even if it's not international, just like one trip by yourself, no kids, no husband, no wife, no anybody, just you. It's a good, it's a good mission. And you're leading by example, which I love. I feel like maybe you're breaking through a stigma there for us women that it's, it's unsafe to travel alone. Maybe it's not. Maybe there's a way to do it smartly. And then also, I'm really interested in that hashtag black in nature because it was really fun. And I, it really made me think like, yeah, why, why is this a thing? You know, like why? Maybe you can just tell me your perspective on why it's a thing. But I vividly remember seeing a commercial not too long ago. It might have been last year or the year before for some kind of recreational vehicle and they had a black couple going on a trip in, in a Jeep, like out into nature. And I was like, this should not feel revolutionary to me. This should not feel special. This should feel pretty normal, but I noted it. You know what I mean? I thought, I don't think I've ever seen this before. So is that a misperception 
that that I have or truly is, are, like explain this to me. Do you have any ideas? <laughs> yeah, no. So actually you are, Joanna, you're dead on. So the, the fact that it was something that you took notice of as something that you're not used to seeing, because it's not <laughs> that right. this it, it's not so the the black in nature has like I was so glad that the black AF in STEM that's who created the black birders week so I just want to make sure I give them full credit and shout out but for them to do that black in nature I mean that's basically what my whole advocacy is about it's because of the lack of diversity and inclusion in the outdoor recreation industry and so it's not necessarily about how we're treated when we're out but it's always definitely met with this tone of surprise or an air of you not belonging a lot of times and then sometimes it's very welcoming but as far as the industry goes when you look at the brands it's only been in recent years that you see brands like you know REI and now they're using black models you know in in some of their promos but if you look by and large if you pick up outdoor magazine it's not black faces and black bodies that you see doing these activities and so the mission is to show like with black in nature like yes we do these things and it's not an anomaly you know it's way more than you think and so it's twofold too so it's awareness right but it's also for us it's to encourage more of us to do it because I I have to tell you like when I went to Yellowstone for the first time in September of 2019 I saw I went by myself that was a solo trip I literally saw three other couples three couples who were black that's it in the entire park of Yellowstone for 48 hours, I literally saw six black people. Wow. And uh, trust me, when we saw each other, it was <laughs> like, oh, hey, you know, where are you from? Type of thing. And, and so it's, it's by if the outdoor industry showed us doing these things more, then I feel like more black people would feel like that's for me too. This is something I can enjoy also. Just like it took me dating a white guy to have my first kayaking experience. Why? Because I didn't know anyone who did it. Yeah. You answered my question. Cause I was going to say, is that something the black community has internalized? Because I remember back in the day, people joking that like black people don't ski. I'm talking snow skiing. And a lot of those people were black people saying that black people don't ski. You won't ever see us doing that. And I feel like maybe that was my first awareness of this phenomenon, but I didn't give it too much thought until I saw that commercial (laughs) with the car. Even I was even told when, when my best friend and I did the waterfalls, black people don't waterfalls, black people don't do that by black people. Those were black people that said that to me, (laughs) our friends, no less that said that to us, but the tie is turning. And so a lot of it, it, it's internalized, but for a reason, and it's important for people to understand just the historical context behind that, right? We have some really ugly history in this country. And so when you think about Black people going into the woods for recreation, think about that. Mm. That wasn't 
the thing to do, not when you had a history of lynchings and, you know, kidnappings and all those kinds of things. You know, my, my, my great grandfather was blinded by the KKK, you know, in rural Arkansas. So that, that concept of seeing the outdoors, right. in the forest as a place of refuge. No, (laughs) we didn't have that. And then you come from a line of, you know, sharecroppers. My my grandmother grew up as a sharecropper. Her parents were born slaves and then became sharecroppers in rural Arkansas. So they worked the land. They tilled the land. The land wasn't fun. You know, the land was just work, not recreation. So you have that early onset of a mindset that it's not safe. And then compound that with, over time, the access to it. A lot of these places were segregated and we weren't even allowed, or they were very far away from the urban centers where the majority of Black populations used to live. So you, you don't really see that tide start to turn until you, you see the expansion of how Black American life is changing and we're moving out into the suburbs and more rural areas. And now we have the means and we have the access in a lot of ways, but a lot of that ingrained, it's not for me, definitely still exists. So there's a lot of barriers we have to continue to break and we have to do it together. Like it's not just me and other, you know, outdoor black folks putting it out there, you know, we're one component, but we need the industry to also recognize there's a market for this here, you know? Oh my gosh, you always speak to the pocketbook when you're talking to any kind of corporation or big business, in my opinion. <laughs> like yep. what, once they're like, who, I like whether their heart is in the right place or not is just almost not the point when they see that like money is involved. It's like, do you realize that you have alienated all of these people because you've not included them in your messaging? I feel like that's a great lesson for people to learn right now across the board. There are layers to it, in my opinion, as a white girl. So you can correct me on this, but I think there are layers to what the Black Lives Movement is about, Black Lives Matter movement. And that's one of them. That's one of the many, 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 many layers. Black dollars count people just so you know Joanna you are listen you're preaching that's it that is is a hundred percent and people see it as one thing and it's not it is it is a layered complex thing and it's really the desire for things this is what we have to remember um because people want to co-opt movements a lot of times right like well why specifically black people well because so many things were intentionally specifically and methodically done to exclude black Americans. So you have to go back and historically look at those things and address those things and undo them. You know, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. We have to do undo it within ourselves too, which I think that your work is a really important part of. And which is why I was so excited to have you on the show. I think it's really important that we each look at just how we personally show up in the world, what we're known for, if you have a business, what your brand is. And you don't need to like pivot. There's no pivoting, but you can just be like, how, I mean, you could if you need to, but for myself, I'm saying, you know, I, I can go back through my podcast history and I can almost name every 
specifically black person that I've had on the show. But if you asked me, I would say, you know, there's been about a dozen. If you asked me how many white people I've had on the show, I'd be like, oh, how would I even begin? I don't, you know, like so many. And so that's what I took from it when I immediately started looking at my own life is like, well, I can, my whole thing is creating the kick-ass life of your dreams and bringing people on the show that exemplify that to me. And so I'm like, well, that's one simple, easy thing I can do. I can actually balance that out better and bring more, more people that are black onto the show. And, and then of course that makes me start thinking about, Oh, and I should have more queer people on the show. And, you know, but right now we're talking about the black lives matter movement because of what you just said. Like it's a really important Thing to focus on and that doesn't negate everybody else's experience it just says this is what we're doing right now and when 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 we win this everybody wins absolutely and I commend you for having that self-awareness I think you don't see everyone with that so that that just really speaks to like your spirit and everything I I love that you know that you you were able to just be introspective and realize that I'm it, it wasn't even that it's intentional right it's just about who you know and who you saw and what you have been exposed to. And so you were like, Hey, I can be more intentional about this and getting more perspectives. Like that's super commendable. And there's such, I mean, there is a smorgasbord of people (laughs) that I did not know about, like all different kinds of creators. Then do I need to have a neuroscientist on the show? (laughs) I might, I might like, I'm I'm just like, Oh, there's, it's a little bit overwhelming because now all of these different businesses and professionals and talented people are showing up on my feed in a way that they did not before. And I'm like, holy smokes, this is like you know what <laughs> podcaster's dream. <laughs> you know what the, the analogy I like to use? It's kind of like, the. have you been snorkeling before? Yes, as a kid, but I don't have a lot of experience with it. (laughs) Well, when you go snorkeling, you look, everything you see is just the top surface of the water, right? And you're like, oh, this is pretty. This is nice. This is vast. Then you put your face in that water and it's literally like under the sea, you know, it's, it's little mermaid comes to life and there's, there's a whole ecosystem and a world is happening beneath this surface and you didn't even know about it. And I kind of feel like that's what's happening. It's like people are now coming below the surface and they're seeing like, oh, there was a lot going on that was outside of, you know, my day-to-day bubble that I was in. Like, wow, this is pretty cool. It's like, yep, we've been down here all along. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. I love the nature analogy. It's so on brand. (laughs) I also, I definitely want to link to something I saw that you created that to to further this work that you're doing, a 22 black outdoor Instagram account. So people can be like, wait a minute, who else is doing this kind of stuff? Because I think for every reason that we've mentioned here, it's good to, it's good to spread the love around and be like, but have you seen this person? And I'm also really excited. I haven't checked it out yet, but I saw on your podcast, you had cowgirls of color on and I was, you're going to love them. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about like breaking in a stereotype. I saw the protest happening. I feel like it was 
Houston? Where was it? It was in Texas. I'm totally confused where it was, but there were people that came riding up on horses to the yes, protest. Yes, I saw that. I they saw were that. on horses. And I was like, well, I, there's a statement right there just in and of itself. Yeah, Cowgirls of Color blew my mind. Like, they are, you're going to love that episode. When you, when you listen to that one, you'll have to let me know what you think, Joanna. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to want to have them on your show yourself. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'll just like ride in your wake and just be like, that person's cool. That person's cool. <laughs> just say the name of your podcast to you and make oh, sure yeah. that people go over and subscribe. It's Outdoorsy Diva Podcast and it's on Apple, Spotify, Google, and whatever your favorite podcast aggregator is. It should be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I've, I've listened to quite a bit of it. I really enjoyed the segment on BBC Earth as well, but I had to fast forward. I did. I learned something about mosquitoes in my fast forwarding process because <laughs> <laughs> that was just randomly Random, on there. Right? <laughs> but your podcast itself is, is fabulous. You also said something, I feel like it was during the BBC Earth segment about church nature as your church and you were talking about god and i love asking people about first of all what who do you think god is and i would just love to hear you expand on this idea of nature as a church sure I, i actually i say nature is my sanctuary and for me I, I am, I'm a Christian, if you want to frame it right with a label, but not in the sense of, I don't believe like you need four walls to know who God is. I'm definitely way more of the spiritual part and more caring about my own relationship, you know, with God. And to me, like God is earth, like God is mother nature. Like that's one in the same to me. So what I have found in these moments in nature, especially with water, like water for me, that's like my spiritual link. It like renews me. It refreshes me. It resets me. I'm also a Pisces. I don't know if that matters, but. Oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. And, oh, that, I have a whole Jesus thing about Pisces too. We'll have to, we'll have to talk about that sometime. Yeah. So, but with all of that, you know, when I'm in that moment in that space, it is it is the ultimate spiritual connection to me. I feel I feel like I'm most heard in that moment. And I definitely feel like I hear back from God the most in those moments when when I'm allowed to be in that space. And it's just I'm always in awe. Like nature is so unpredictable. That's why in my photography I like to shoot nature, not people, because I can't control it. And it just reminds me of like my little stuff that I fret about and I get upset about. Yes, it's important to me, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, if God can can do this thing here, like it. I was in a volcanic crater looking at a lake made completely out of rainwater over millions of years. Like how amazing is that? Mm-hmm. God took all that destruction, right, from a volcano and it became something beautiful. And so it made me look at my stuff, like my little stuff in the grand scheme of the cosmos. It really is small. It's minute. And at the end of it all, I really believe that 
whatever it is, it's gonna, it's gonna be molded into something, something beautiful. And whether that means for me in my present life or for somebody else, I still believe that all of it will result in, in beauty. Oh, I love that. You know, maybe we're going through our volcano right now as a culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I believe so. I'm trying to tone it down because I, I know everybody gets to have their own experience. A lot of people are not enjoying this moment, but I am like, ah, it's like there's a water hose, like spraying. I just wanted to drink a water and there's like fire hoses, like, whoosh, and I'm just like opening my mouth, like, this is because I think this is the change that we not only need, but that a lot of people have been working very hard to make happen for centuries. And I can't believe I get to be here to witness it. It's so exciting. And, and I want to be a part of it as much as I possibly can be. And what you're saying about like God and nature makes perfect sense to me. And I'm really interested in the lessons of whatever God is show up for us in nature. There's an old song I grew up, I grew up in the church and there was a song we used to sing that was like, the word of God is like a little bitty seed scattered all around. And then it goes into be like some on the road, some in the weeds, but everywhere you look, you find a little bitty seed. And I always think about that now as a grown up because I think that's the truth because men will take a beautiful message and then layer dogma on it layer Mm -hmm. politics on top of it and turn something so pure into something so ugly. And I'm like, but, 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 but we could just go outside and see what, what the message was originally intended to be. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I got to hear you sing by the way, because I love your, your little songs on your other. I cannot suppress the goofiness. Have you found like as a podcaster, have you found yourself like loosening up? I, I certainly have. I have. I'm in my second year, third season. I'm definitely way more, more comfortable now. I feel like I just got better, technically better. And I don't put so much pressure on myself anymore. I I don't even edit my ums. I just, I'm okay with it. I live with it. I actually just practice being better about it, but I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm all right with it. I'm just going to be my authentic me. Oh, I love that. I'm a um editor. That's fairly new. I guess I started doing it. I've been podcasting since 2013. And I think last year I started kind of doing that for guests because I noticed I would have the most intelligent, brilliant people on people that wrote books that I was in awe of, but then I'd ask them a question <laughs> and it would be like, um, Oh yeah. Well, I like they gathered their thoughts and I was like, I feel like, I, I'm going to help this out a little bit because it, <laughs> and so that's what got me starting it. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if it's intense that way, that makes sense. But for me, it's usually, it's just a lazy pause is what it is. Yeah. It's, you have to train yourself out of it too. I yep. feel like podcasting has been such an education on myself. All the things I do that I did not know that I do. <laughs> Yeah. So also I <laughs> saw, I feel like I clicked on a picture cause I was on your Twitter just being like, all right, let's get in the, get in the headspace. We're talking to Lauren Gay today. And I saw something you posted about Harry Potter 
And earlier when we were getting ready to do the the interview, you were joking about the Hogwarts Express is behind your, your house. And somehow these things kind of converged with this idea that you are a person who understands the power of networking. So I just thought that I would share with you and the listeners for fun, because there's a lot of Harry Potter fans here that are not pleased with what is going on with JK Rowling at the moment, that there is a Malaysian storyteller writer. She wrote the weight of our sky. Her name is Hannah Alcaf. And she literally, I'm just going to read her words exactly how it came to me this morning because it's awesome. She said, give me an anthology of stories set at a magic school where each story is from the point of view of a different student or teacher or creature. And it's actually written by diverse authors. Wait, is this something I have to do? Damn it. All right, I started a Google Doc. We're taking back Hogwarts. And that was a procession. Like she was having thoughts and like she kept the tweet going and now everybody's piling on and it looks like this might actually happen. And I just thought that was a fun thing to talk about because I see you doing things like that, like having an idea and then sort of turning it into like a community situation and it's exciting and fun to watch. I didn't see that. Now you got to tag me in that tweet so I can see. Well, now there's a bunch. There's a bunch of people like, you know, I'm tweeting like this author, this author, you need to do this. (laughs) But yeah, I'll totally (laughs) tag you so you can see it. (laughs) Yeah, I got to see it. Um, So I am a huge Harry Potter fan. Fun fact, my first international trip as an adult was to Toronto, Canada for a Harry Potter convention. Oh my God, you're a nerd. I'm so excited. I'm a total nerd, complete nerd, cosplay and all. I've done it all. I have even dressed, so I dressed as the uh, representative of the African magical school that JK told us existed. I was like, well, I'm going to be that, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? I was like, when we had the discussions, it was like, okay, but I'm the African student, okay? Nobody gets to be that. Is that understood amongst Mm. the group of friends? Like, I love y'all, but no, I don't usually get a black character. So let me have this one. That is so awesome. I do appreciate that Hermione was black on the stage, but I'm wondering like, why not in the movie? You know, I got to see that. I, so I went to, so Harry Potter actually has fueled travel for me. My entire trip the first time to the UK was based on Harry Potter. We were going to see, to go see the stage play, the original showing of the stage play at the Palace Theater. That's how the whole trip got started. And then from that, it was like, oh, well, what else is there to do there? (laughs) But it started with Harry Potter. I did not know this. I am so glad that I brought that up. Yep. And we went to the Warner Brothers studios and all the things around London. I call it my Harry Potter Mecca trip because that's what it was. (laughs) So is this being spoiled for you now or can you, I'm very curious about how this works right now. I know that um, cancel culture is a big thing. We're holding creators to a standard in their personal lives that we Mm -hmm. did not previously. So do we enjoy the work regardless of how the person behaves outside the creation of that work or do we what do we do like what is your I don't know I haven't formed an opinion yet I'm still thinking about it 
Well, I'm good. I'm just going to warn you now. My nerd is about to get real big. Okay. All right. I, I love a <laughs> You've good been nerd. Warned. I nerd my stay. The nerd in me sees the nerd in you. Two of my, well, really three of my really, really, really close friends that I've formed over the years. They're actually my first non-Black friends that I really consider friends. I met through Harry Potter. Between the three of them, they run two of the largest Harry Potter clubs in the country, which is in Tampa, St. Pete, and in Orlando. (laughs) So I just preface that. So I'm in these, we have these groups and communities online. And of course, this is a big deal right now. And I think the collective feeling about it is that we can't deny what this work and that those worlds that she created did for each of us personally. And so a lot of us have basically said, the world is ours now. Like, you know, the, the uh, Harry Potter fans, we love to say Hogwarts is our home. It is, and it's ours. And so it's ours now. We don't really need Joe for it. For what? She created it. Thanks, but now it's ours and we own it and we will love it and and let it let the mess. And it's so crazy that there are so many messages of tolerance and love woven into those stories, especially for people who actually read the books. So it's just crazy that she could still have, you know, such, such a warped way of thinking and feel so comfortable to voice it out loud. It's like, dude, you could have said nothing and no one would have ever known. It was such, those a, were your inner thoughts. It was such a weird <laughs> moment too. It was like during pride month and, and right. like, we are all going through stuff. Do we need to go through this too? Right. right. It was just like, did you really, we, you couldn't just, you know, I think, I think this is very human. I think, this is a time for looking in the shadows and looking at like, where do our own blind spots lie? Um, I was recently talking about this, but I'll talk about it again. I retweeted this image of a black woman and a woman of, I can't tell cause it was in profile, maybe Asian. I'm not sure, but they got married. They looked amazing. It was just a gorgeous pride month picture. These two women celebrating getting married. I loved it. I retweeted it. And then I did the unfortunate thing of looking at the comments below mm-hmm. and what really, it shouldn't surprise me because I do know that human nature shows up like this, but what really it did surprise me is how many black men were in the comments telling these women they're going to hell and that mm-hmm. they will be judged. And I thought it's so interesting that we're in this black lives matter moment and we are fighting for the right for you to not have to go through the same shit that you're dumping on these women right now for something so beautiful. They're in love and they're happy about it. The end. That's all you need to know. Like, why are you here doing this? That's a whole multi-layered discussion into the misogyny that is embedded in the black community. Oh, for sure. Like, but I think I think we all have that. We like, and I think. J.K. Rowling can, you know, write a book that's beautiful like that and have all those messages that people find so empowering and then literally not see the hypocrisy in this one blind spot that she has. So for me personally, I know not everybody feels this way, but I would love for her to actually pay attention to what's happening in response to her statements and just take a moment 
and maybe apologize and say I was wrong and then start listening to what people are saying. Not her first time though. And I think that's why people, people have given her grace to get there because it's not the first time. So people why is have, she digging her heels and I don't want to take up your time talking. No, about you're this, fine. But, but like I said, Hogwarts is still our home and it's ours now. So that's a lovely way of putting we it. We don't need a queen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be our own queen. That's why I loved your story about originally when you traveled by yourself, because I'm all about like the queen energy. And I thought that was such a queen move to be like, you watch the kids. I'm taking off. I'm going to have this experience. I'm going to enjoy my adulthood without the mom life coming with me just for like a little bit of time. I'm going to have this experience. And to me, that was such a queen moment. I love that phrase queen moment. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Well, you are definitely a queen, definitely a leader, definitely killing it with the networking. I'm so excited to keep watching what you're doing and what you're putting out there. I hope everybody else is too. And do you want to give people just a shout out of your URL if they're driving in their car and maybe they're not sitting on a computer? Because I'm going to link to everything, but you know, people on the go. For sure. Uh, real easy, outdoorsydiva.com. That's my blog website. And the handle on Instagram is at outdoorsydiva. Okay. And I always end with the same question. What is one tip that you have for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams? My one tip for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams is to live. And I know that sounds so simple. It's the biggest word on my vision board is to live. And you have to understand that living means doing. It's an action word. You can't live through other people. You can't live vicariously. You can't just live in the, in the future and the, in the maybes live. So whatever that thing is that you want to do, hatch the plan, do it and make it happen. Nobody's ever answered that way before. That's awesome. I love it. Yay, I'm original. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lauren, for coming on the show. Much Thank you. To you. It's yes. been so fun. Thank you for having me so much. I really appreciate you. Oh, wasn't that good? Wasn't that good? And now you have a new favorite podcast, The Outdoorsy Diva, because she's just as fun and interesting on her podcast as she just was on mine. And I just realized that I did not thank new patrons supporting the show over on Patreon. So I'm going to do that right now. Thank you to anyone who has ever helped support the Hippie Witch podcast. And in effect, the kid and I, I appreciate you all. Today will be a long shout out because I haven't been here in a few weeks. So special thank you to Laura Smith, Jackie Hall, Daniela Rodriguez, Beth Van Holst, Elizabeth, Becky Maynard, Larissa White, Maureen Christensen, Mike Frailing, Mystical Enlightenment, and a mysterious SS. Thank you all. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me do what I love to do. I appreciate it. I hope that you're enjoying the content over there. We're talking about the Hermetic Principles this month, which has been super interesting. And then on Sunday, we have our Visions of Litha, 
vision boarding party to kind of reset for the second half of 2020. <laughs> Let's do it with intention, friends. And also, I just want to say to anybody listening right now, if you are someone who is also willing to listen and learn and change, and you're specifically interested in listening and learning from black people right now, I have a couple of resources for you, two that I really enjoyed. One is Austin Channing Brown's book, I'm Still Here. And the other is Ibram X. Kendi on Dax Shepard's podcast, Armchair Expert. I will link to both of those in the show notes because they're both excellent. And I hope that you are enjoying June so far and that 2020 takes an awesome turn for all of us. That somehow, magically, we all start to get on the same page with the kind of changes we want to see and working together. And wouldn't that be awesome? Until we meet again, much love to you. Peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.